Hey guys, this is John, and you're listening to TCK Tales. So I know it has been a while since you guys heard from me, the end of season two, which ended in December, but I'm just gonna kinda give you guys a heads up before we go into the first episode of season three, and I'm super excited about it. I'm really excited for this conversation. But first off, what's been going on with me? So a lot has happened. I moved home from Chicago, so I'm back in Ohio. Long distance is over between me and Purity, which is fantastic. And what I thought was going to be a time for me to really focus on this and work with with this while I try to find a full-time job to prep for, you know, supporting a family didn't end up happening because I ended up being blessed with having a official full-time adult job a lot sooner than I anticipated. So that's where a lot of my time has gone, that and the classes I'm taking to finish up my degree. So that is why it's taken forever. Another couple cool things is we officially have a website now. So tcktales.com is my official website. And also I was able to partner with MK to MK, who you will be hearing about later on in this episode and so they are kind of official backing and they're great for me to get content and to just really help support the podcast they're an incredible organization if you guys remember from the last episode of season two they were very pivotal in the formation of this podcast and just realizing healing in my life so i'm really excited to be working with them and again you'll hear more about them later on in this episode as you guys have also probably heard there are sponsors here in this episode that is something that anchor is providing for me uh, so please check out my sponsors they're pretty great without further ado let us do episode one of season three i have an incredible conversation with a dear friend of mine his name is tk or ayanda kumalo he is from bulawayo zimbabwe and he is a worship artist a radio personality and he just does a lot he's one of those people that has such a fantastic life and he is so smart and so well he's so articulate about everything that's going on. It was just an incredible conversation about what it's like to be an African immigrant in America. And this is kind of jumping off of what the identity series that we kind of had through last season. So this is a remnant. And this will actually be divided up into two episodes. So the first, you'll hear part one of my conversation with him today, talking about African immigration and what it's like to be an African here in America. And then next week, we're going to have a conversation about what it's like to be from the southern part of Africa, where there is a lot of racism and there was a lot of colonization. So he has a lot of really great thoughts and really great points that he makes about what it's like to grow up in, I guess, racist Africa. It's a very different Africa than I grew up in. And so it was a really great conversation. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear that. So without further ado, here is TK with his TCK tape. Uh, so, most people know me as TK, but proper name is Ayanda Kumalo. I come from a family of six, both my parents still alive, two older brothers who are twins and a younger sister. I'm the middle child, technically. And born in raised in Bulawayo, Zimbabwe, which is a former British colony. Um, we gained independence in 1980, and for 37 years after that, we had one president. Forced to step down, I think, a year ago, 2017 in November, there was a coup, in a sense, before to the, uh, November, but there was a coup, and his vice president 
technically took over with the help of the army, and things are still very rough. But in 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 light of all of that, just a quick history on on the country. I've uh, went to a all boys boarding school, British colonial type of a vibe, and both brothers went there before me, and I did music there, played rugby, uh, played basketball and football, soccer. Went to the World Cup for rugby at the the back end of high school. So I kind of played professional rugby, Um, went to World Cup, and then was offered a couple of contracts to go play professional rugby in Europe. And that kind of was a turning point because the country was going through a, a collapse kind of like the recession before the recession. It was really bad. I was referred to Germany in the 20s, 1920s. Nothing in the stores, and that's what it is currently right now in 2018. And through that experience, it was a crossroads for me. God was either saying, you know, stay and go through this, and you would grow spiritually, or go to Europe, take up these offers, but I would spiritually die. And I just sensed uh, God was saying stay. So I gave up a potential budding rugby career in Europe, stuck around. Uh, the country was going through a mess. My parents were separated at that point. But in, during high school, I was I was plugged into musical worship um, at the high school, all boys. I was introduced to drums at the age of five years old. So music has always been in the family. My mom played piano, taught piano, taught voice, and taught guitar. One brother play still does a whole lot of music he produces he writes he's in the world he's a dj as well one brother used to play trumpet now he's a charcoal artist he paints draws um a younger sister she's got rhythm she can sing she can dance but it's not her space so after that happens you know fast forward to all the experiences i started to travel across the world doing music music ministry primarily and I toured the USA for three years in different stages three months on the road doing stuff and I think one of the things that really stuck with me is being able to travel but you watch Hollywood Hollywood portrays a lot of things about America Uh, it portrays a lot of people in different ways a lot of the movies we watched portrayed minority groups in a negative way primarily or stereotype them so you grow up watching bad boys or friday or those type of movies and that's what hollywood's portraying of african-americans and a lot of other shows but there's not a lot of i think insight into immigrants in america and primarily africans i think the, the the starting point initially was i would say probably coming to America, which wasn't a true representation. It was a comedy. So I, I, I get that. So being on the road and interacting with various Americans, my, my primary interaction with people in America was white America. And I have an accent, as you can hear. It's different. It has a British nuance to it. And so my interactions with, with America were different. Because when people hear my accent, they treat me very differently. So I would get on a platform or a stage or radio and speak, and people cannot actually 
clearly say if they didn't see me who I was. A lot of people assumed I was a, a, a white person, white British person, which, you know, I, I've, I've never really thought about it. This is like, that's it. This is, this is what you get. It's the upbringing, uh, my exposure as I travel as well, and picking up different nuances, British influence nuances. We are former British colony, and a lot of British nuances still within our culture. Some good, some bad. So spending time on the road in the USA and, and interacting with different people and, and different people seeing those nuances, my perception of America was fed by Hollywood and just only one demographic. Over the course of being on the road, um, all these different tours um, from the East Coast, so Massachusetts, to Tennessee, Nashville, Cookville, to Houston, Texas, Dallas-Fort Worth, all the way through to um, Orange County, California. My, my interactions were still that same demographic, same framing. Then when I moved to Chicago and started to interact with a wider demographic, I started to see things that, one, I'd seen before while I was on the road in terms of how people relate to me. I started to hear a narrative by minority groups in America on how they felt disenfranchised. So I was like, okay. And my first initial position was, well, you guys have it better than we do in Africa, which there is truth to that, but depending on whose lens you're looking through. So from a lot of African perspectives is they see America, Hollywood portrays America as this great nation. Um, Americans are constantly saying that it's this amazing place. Um, and when you get your, you, you, you already have that framing in mind. So when people are complaining, you, you turn around and say, no, 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 you have no concept of what, or what bad is because you live in this great world. But then it's context. When you start to hear how things are structured within America, then it made me start to see, you know, this is a different framing. And the framing I'm walking into is not based off the lens from coming from Africa, but it should be based off the lens being in America. And then I started to ex started to experience things initially. So a lot of the spaces I, I go to, traveling, doing music, churches, people have heard me before they've invited me, musically but also verbally. So they hear me speak, and there's already this, Americans have this draw towards the British accent. I would say there's this, it's like the kryptonite of America when it comes to just accents. It's one of those things. Yes, you have the romantic Spanish language that's permeating through America, which I'm like, no, that's one of the other languages I would love to pick up and learn. But still, America's enamored with English, the, the language, and just the English culture and the queen. And I think this, it's like there's this longing by a lot of, I would say, white America to be associated with the queen in that instance, the class, the elegance of being English. And the English, to some degree, are proud and snobbish. So it kind of plays into a lot of ways. So being invited, people hear my voice before they meet me, and it's like, wow, we're hooked onto you. And then we interact face-to-face, -face, physically, and I think the voice has really set the tone. And then they find out, oh, where are you from? Oh, you're from Africa. Okay, 
the perception of who I am has, has shifted even more. TCK Tales is brought to you in partnership with MK to MK, and they have an incredible thing happening this summer. It could be possible that Budapest is part of God's plan for you next year. MK to MK in Budapest is recruiting for their team. MK to MK is a ministry of crew, a faith-based mission that exists to build a global spiritual community of MKs and TCKs who impact their world for Christ. Through their mission trips, conferences, and care trips, they connect the TCK community around the globe and help them to understand their unique identity by giving vision and spiritual input. They help them grow into their faith and provide opportunities to develop skills to lead and mentor other TCKs. As of October 2018, they've had a team in Budapest, Hungary, whose scope is to serve TCKs and their families throughout Central and Eastern Europe and beyond as they have capacity. They are right now looking for young adult MKs who would be willing to join their team for a one-year stint of this upcoming year. They are in particular in need of guys who can come alongside younger men male MKs and mentor their relationship. If you are interested, go to their website, mk2mk.org, or go through my website at tcktales.com under the resources tab. And let me just tell you guys, MK2MK is an incredible organization. I learned so much from them and through going on projects with them. It's an incredible opportunity. And I have actually been to Budapest and worked with a lot of the MKs that are there. And they are an incredible group of people. And crew in Hungary and crew in Budapest is incredible. And also like Budapest is just a super dope city. So definitely check them out. It is an incredible opportunity, a great time to just get to know and mentor other MKs and leverage your story for other people. But then starting to travel into a couple of places where I'm six foot four. I'm, I played sports, so I played rugby, so I'm not exactly small. I started to interact with people like on public transport. So here in Chicago on the CTA, people stopped sitting next to me, living up north. And it bugged me for like a month. I was like, what's, what's this about? Then as I started to hear the nuances of the cultural misappropriation of race and systematic injustice and racism, and, and hearing the narrative from minority groups, I started to experience some of it. And I was like, something's not right here. And in the same breath, I was like, it, it bugged me for a month, but after that, I was like, I don't care. Not I don't care for other people going through it. I don't care that I go through it. Because the first thing is my identity is not based off someone else's affirmation in regards to being black or being an African. I think the difference with me has been, and I, I see that with a lot of Africans as I interact with them here in the USA, we don't have, a lot of us don't have the identity um, struggle in terms of belonging. So we come to America knowing, okay, I'm African. I'm, for me, I'm Zimbabwean, tribally, uh, clans-wise, I'm Devele. This is my surname. I know the history. I know where we're from. I know like seven, eight generations before me. So I'm not trying to find belonging. And culturally, we're already community-focused. So there's nothing like I need to find community to belong. I already belong. 
I do still desire community being away from family and the community that I've, uh, I've grown up with most of my life. So being here wasn't that case. But then I started to recognize that for a lot of other people, white Americans and black Americans, that's a lot of their longing. So when I'm treated by a lot of people who don't hear me speak initially, the assumption is you're black American and there's already a position taken. Not all, but a lot. Then they hear me speak and the perception shifts. Then when I interact with black Americans, there's this nuance that that we as Africans do put out. And a couple of guys have actually said that to me, black Americans, that you Africans walk around confidently. And that ties into the whole identity conversation I just mentioned, because we are not looking for, the, for belonging. And identity is not a struggle, because for a lot of black Americans, one, in some ways, America doesn't embrace them. But two, as Africans, in a lot of ways, we also don't embrace them. So it's like, where, where, where do they belong? So we're complicit in it as Africans. Um, I, was, I say this to a couple of guys, like, as Africans, we need to take our share of the blame for slavery. We sold our own people in a lot of ways. Yes, slave traders came and took and stole people, but we also partook and we sold our own people. So we're part and parcel of that conversation, and we need to own it and actually seek forgiveness for it. But it still plays out today. So being an African in America has been interesting because in a lot of ways, people will have a perception that you're a black American, I'm going to treat you in a different way. Then they hear you speak, it's like, oh, no, no, you're different, you're okay. It's like, you're okay, you're with us type of thing. And and in and, and some instances as Africans, we've played to that narrative or we just push back. And we're just like, no, I'm, I'm just African. You What you see is what you get. And you... You may, you may get offended, but this is who you get. And this is an interesting thing I've kind of realized as, we, as we're talking about this. I don't see a lot of pushback in terms of political talk about Africans. And I find that very interesting. Yes, people will comment about Nigerians and, and one or two other things. And, you know, Nigerians seem to be the, the, the joke of Africans in a lot of ways. And some of it is, is a lot of it's unjustified. But you never, like when it comes to the current cultural atmosphere in America about immigration, no one has a go at Africans. And we're not a big population, but we're still a minority and we're still immigrants. Most of us legal, there's some illegal. But we never get pushback. And I found that very interesting. But then I see us culturally and how we carry ourselves. We're also, we're proud. Americans are proud, but we're just as proud. But Americans are proud based off economy and military but in a lot of places it's based off culture and identity and for us and it's it's walking through america and saying this is who we are i don't i don't you don't you don't define who i am and you can insult me with all these derogatory terms and names i'm not losing sleep in these certain contexts but if you do that back home that's a different conversation so for me as i as i look at as i travel and throughout the USA, as I travel the world, I see myself in a different light. And being a believer, one is recognizing my identity is first in Christ. And that affirms who I am. But then also knowing who I am culturally 
And that sets a tone for a lot of things. The way I interact with people, the way I carry myself, is this is the confidence in Christ and the confidence in just a self-identity. And it just gets interesting. As, as I think about it, just being an African, it's so many, it's, it's just, this is just a snippet, but there's so many other things to consider. Being an immigrant in the United States of America as a country right now that's going through this internal turmoil about immigration, but then who defines who should be here? In a lot of ways, I always go back to, well, apart from the First Nations people, everyone else, you just pitched up, you know, willingly or unwillingly, but everyone else pitched up. So to say you have a claim to it, no, the owners of the stakeholders are the First Nations people. They need to be able to say yes or no. Before you start giving the meta-narrative of America, they're the ones that need to say, yeah, this is, this is what we think, this is what we feel should be. And how far back you go, that's, a, that's another conversation for another day. You know, there's so much at play. But I think we, we, as an African coming here, recognizing a lot of white America is European, from Europe. So they are European Americans. In the same way people will say, well, African Americans, yes, they are. They are Af- Afro- of African descent. But they're also now titled Americans, but you're also European-American. We don't title white America as European-American, but we will classify black Americans as African-Americans. So just the terminology that we use is loaded, but it's all about belonging and community and society and the way it is framed right now and who frames that. And as I I kind of just leave it there, I, I think we need to think through who frames who we are. And do we let society determine how we associate and how we belong? Or does God define who I am so that when I walk into a community and say, this is who I am, and it's based off God, and then everything else is filtered through that, then the struggles that a lot of us will have, some of them get removed. Not all, because it's still a sin issue but we start to process who we are identity-wise in this world. That it's all about who, who, who controls the narrative of belonging. What I love about TK's story is just how articulate he is about everything that is going on and honestly I don't have really much to pull or much to say this was very much a learning conversation for me as well I remember coming out of it being like oh my gosh that explains my siblings and my fiance and just their interactions and there's just so much that he talks about from his experience that I had never realized or thought about before. So it's just an incredible conversation. And yeah, I don't really have much to say outside of that, but I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did and look forward to TK coming back next week to talk more about race relations in Africa specifically. If you have a question or a comment 
or want to know more about this conversation or other ones, hit me up. You can email me at tcktales at gmail.com or you can send me a Facebook message. My Facebook page is just tcktales at facebook.com. Check them both out. Like the page. Tell other people about the podcast. If you've been blessed by this podcast or you're just enjoying this content, please give a rating or a review. As a thank you to those who already have, I'm going to be reading out a couple of those. So this one is from M. Kid Esther, and it's a five-star review. And she says, I'm so thankful for this podcast. I'm so thankful that this podcast exists. It has been such a blessing to me and I'm sure to others as well. And I just want to say thank you for that. I want to try to start a thing where I will read listener feedback and talk. So if you have anything you want to say, any critiques, any comments, any corrections that you might have for me and pronunciation and things like that, or just any way that this podcast is ministered to you, please reach out again. Send me an email at tcktales at gmail.com or send me a message via Facebook and I'm going to be reading some of those. But tell people about it and and like and uh, subscribe and rate this podcast because that really helps get it in front of other people and it does something with the metrics. As you guys know, the music has changed, so that is something that I've purchased. So thank you to the music provider. I forget their names right now, but I will find out for the next episode or maybe the next after the one after that. But thank you to you guys for listening, and I will see you guys next week for another TCK Tale. I'm really excited that season three is back, guys. It's super exciting.